This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9 The Roundup on Joy 94.9 This is really bad for the kids and horrible and from the parents' point of view, but God, it's good TV. Practicing when I'm alone, like just imagining walking down the street, so it's good to practice at least. I'm sure you enjoy practicing on your own, Jed. Vinny Guadagnino. Vinny Guadagnino. <laughs> Like much better, much, thank much better. You, yeah. you. Oh, you don't know gosh. Rebecca Black. <laughs> I've got a picture of her here. She's gorgeous. No. She's also 14. So oh. <laughs> that's a bit. <laughs> I mean, she looks lovely. The Roundup. The Roundup. The Roundup. The Roundup. You're with The Roundup on Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to your weekly dose of news, gossip and everything in between. That's right. You are listening to The Roundup on Australia's only lesbian and gay radio station, Joy 94.9. I'm Ali Pelletier and with me this week on the panel, as always, is the most wonderful Michael Pinter Bonner. Hello. Hello there. And back for his third stint on the panel is QNNN maestro, producer and presenter... What a talk up. Anthony Smeaton, how are you? Yes, you're getting me very excited with such a big introduction. Thanks, oh. guys. It's really great to be back. That's It's great <laughs> to have you back. And a big thanks to Kyle from Generation Next, doing it on your own tonight. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to get to the bottom of whether the carbon tax will leave you better or worse off financially. I'll be bringing you all the latest gossip straight from Hollywood. And we're going to revisit toddlers and tiaras, something we looked at a few weeks ago. Maybe a bit of a different angle this time. And of course, we love it when you tell us what you think so sms 0427 joy 949 or email on air at joy.org.au or of course you can visit us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash the roundup on joy 94.9 and let us know what you think about anything we talk about tonight hi there michael pinterboni here with a news and current affairs wrap on the roundup and barack obama says leaders have reached agreement to reduce the u.s deficit and avoid a potentially disastrous default congress had just two days left to meet the Treasury deadline to lift America's US $14 trillion borrowing limit and avoid a possible default. Financial experts are breathing a sigh of relief, fearing a default by the US would have been disastrous for the global economy. Foreign Affairs Minister Kevin Rudd is recovering in a Brisbane hospital after having heart surgery this morning. This is the second time K Rudd has had his aortic valve replaced due to a fever as a child. Current PM Julian Gillard told ABC Radio this morning she She's wished her cabinet colleague a speedy recovery. The director of Pageants Australia says she wouldn't invite pageant superstar Eden Wood back to Australia. Carmen Powell was a promoter for the Universal Beauty pageant that was held in Melbourne over the weekend. The pageant was marred by media interference and protesters, with hundreds of young fans 
disappointed when the six-year-old beauty queen failed to turn up to the event. And new claims have emerged that British backpacker Peter Falconio is alive ten years after he disappeared in Alice Springs. Channel 7 aired an interview with convicted killer Bradley John Murdoch last night, who was serving a life sentence for the murder. Falconio was travelling around Australia with his girlfriend Joanne Lees when he disappeared, and despite the conviction, his body has never been found. And that is the news and current affairs wrap on the Roundup. Back to you guys. Hey, Mike and Anthony. I found this thing in the paper in The Age on the weekend. Did you know that currently there are thousands and thousands of little yellow rubber ducks floating their way around the planet? Ellie, you're going to have to go into a bit more detail than that. We're intrigued. So this is crazy, right? In 1992, so what's that, 20 years or Mm. so ago, a big cargo ship spilled about 28,800 little yellow rubber ducks. And so they washed up on the beach in Alaska at like 1,500 kilometres away, and over the years, they've washed up on the US West Coast, Russia, the Pacific Ocean atolls, and Hawaii, um, and so they're still they're still making their way around the planet. <laughs> and scientists are using the information from these rubber ducks, which are accidentally spilled, to tell them about the oceanic currents and climate change and all sorts of crazy stuff. How weird, right? Well, I guess they couldn't really justify saying it was an actual scientific experiment to release, you know, thousands of rubber duckies into the ocean. Could no. they? No, they couldn't. <laughs> Do you think after 20 years of, you know, floating around the ocean that the rubber duckies would still squeak if you brought them, <laughs> if you tried to squeak them? I reckon some of them would. They're just going to keep floating around our planet. I, I think it did say somewhere in the article that eventually they'll sort of degrade away and, and disintegrate and we won't see them eventually. But I think they've still got a number of years left in them. I think they've still got loads of years left in them. Has, have any of them made it to Australia yet? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're predicted to if they haven't already. And I've just faced with this beautiful image of all these little thousands, 28,000 rubber duckies just floating across the ocean. It's a pretty scary picture from an environmental perspective that these little plastic ducks are still around after 20 years of, you know, salt water and, you know, whales and whatever else you come up against in the ocean. So pretty scary picture indeed. Indeed. How many they dolphins- can't survive a few years in the bathtub at home, so what's that saying? <laughs> How many dolphins are eating them, I wonder? Oh, All right, anyway, let's go back to the beautiful picture of thousands of ducks floating on the ocean. Now, are you confused by that? Because I sure as hell am. Are you confused by the carbon tax? Well, we're going to ask an expert to tell us what the real impact of the tax will be. And that is next on The Roundup. You are on the Roundup here on Joy 94.9. You can tell us what you think during the week. You can visit www.facebook.com forward slash the Roundup on Joy 94.9. Now, with some reports touting that Aussies are set to pay more than $70 billion in the first five years under a carbon tax, and others saying that's a gross miscalculation, you'd be forgiven of being a little bit confused as to how the tax will actually affect you. To help us unravel that mystery, we here on the Roundup are joined by Alan Pierce from RMIT University. Alan has also been responsible for developing the Australian Greenhouse Calculator. Welcome to the Roundup, Alan. 
Yeah, hi. Alan, the greenhouse calculator. We've all sat around the table and we've all done it. Some surprising results there. What is it? Uh, Well, the greenhouse calculator is uh, a tool that we developed for the Victorian EPA, so it's freely available on the EPA's website. And the idea is you essentially go through each of your household activities, whether it's your your travel, your household energy, your shopping, your um, your waste management, all those things, and you uh, roughly put in the way you live, the things you do, and it estimates the uh, carbon footprint of your lifestyle based on what you tell us. I've done the um, carbon tax, the, sorry, the greenhouse calculator today, uh, and I found it really interesting. Who, who are you targeting at this at? Is it, is it targeted at everyday Australians? Are you wanting people to get on and have a crack at the calculator and really be spurred into action? Is that sort of the hope? Yeah. Well, well, you're right. I, I mean, I, I guess the two main target groups, first of all, it's got quite a strong emphasis on education. So there are teacher resources and, you know, links to the parts of the Australian curriculum where it fits in and so a lot of things like that for schools to make use of it. But also, as you say, individual householders. Because, I mean, there's lots of different aspects to it all. I mean, some people, for example, might want to just use the air travel part of the calculator, you know, because they're going away for a holiday or something and they're sort of looking at that side of things. Others are obviously interested in their shopping. Some people might be about to buy appliances and so they can get some guidance. Well, you know, how big a difference would it make if I got, you know, a five-star fridge instead of a two-star one or something like that? And then there's the sort of family conflict resolution model where um, because the calculator is probably the first in the world that allows you to look at behaviour as well as technology, you can look at, well, you know, what happens if the kids open the fridge door 50 times a day instead of 20, you know, then you can, you can at least then have your family arguments based on some facts. Now, Alan, the greenhouse calculator is all about sort of the impact your activities have on the environment. This change gears now and the carbon tax, what sort of impact is that going to have on the average Aussie's pocket? Because we've heard, you know, these figures that sound astronomical, but is uh, it actually going to be like that? Well, again, the... Oh, the, the hysteria and the deliberate attempts to frighten people about this carbon pricing scheme are just appalling. I, I, I just can't really believe that politicians can get as low as they have. But, uh, I mean, the issue is, as a basic principle, the carbon pricing is about putting a price on polluting the Earth's atmosphere. And we do this in lots of different ways already in lots of different areas. For example, when we buy a car, we pay a bit extra to put a catalytic converter on it so we don't pollute the urban air as much. So we pay um, so we don't pollute. Um, you know, the whole idea of polluter pays is, is just a basic approach to uh, addressing a problem. You're making emitting greenhouse gases more expensive. Now, for all of the people who've been emitting enormous amounts of greenhouse gas at no cost for a long time, yes, they're a bit put out. They don't want to pay. Well, that's what the the core debate is. Um, In terms of the total cost, what people keep forgetting is that whether it's 71 million or or, um, more like, you know, 40 or 50 
uh, sorry, 71 billion or 40 or 50 billion over five years. The reality is that is not a cost to our economy. That money is being paid to the government for the government to reallocate away from big emitters towards households, towards green energy and towards encouraging innovation, which will make all our lives better and reduce our living costs. So I think the fundamental issue is it's not a cost at all. So, so while we're all worried, or, you know, the, the hype is that the average Aussie is worried that they're going to be um, taxed and be, and be charged more, what you're saying is that actually it's the big business and the industry and the, peop- the big polluters who have been polluting for free up until now are going to have to pay to do that, and then that money is going to be reallocated to general Aussies and to reducing greenhouse emissions across the Australian environment. You said it a lot better than me, Ali. That's really... <laughs> sums it up nicely. Okay. Now, Alan, is the carbon tax enough? I mean, you obviously, you, you personally, listeners might not know this, but you know, do a lot of work with sustainable energy and sustainable living. Is a carbon yep. tax enough or do we, what do we need to do? Well, what, what we can do, I mean, I, I, did, a, I did a study with um, the Australian Council of Social Services and Choice and the Australian Conservation Foundation a few years ago. And what we found was that if you can finance a shift for a household away from ordinary mix of appliances towards the most efficient appliances and equipment on the market today, then even after you repay the extra cost of buying those new products over a period of years, you are actually paying less than... When you are also paying the carbon price, so you're paying for your electricity and gas, you're paying for the cost of repaying the energy-efficient appliances, and you're paying your carbon price, your total bill will be less than your bill now, let alone less than your bill plus the carbon price that uh, is expected. So the the reality really does come down to uh, we have a lot of scope to cut our energy costs and our greenhouse gas emissions through saving energy, through installing renewable energy, um, all sorts of options like that. And we can be winners based on the, the overall numbers. So how, given that um, we can be a winner if we do things to reduce our emissions and our polluting in our homes and in our day-to-day lives... Look at how much does the average Aussie kind of pollute now? Like, how much are we going to have to change our behaviour in order to become a winner? Okay. Well, if we're looking at your average household just for household energy, which is really the main way they'll see their carbon cost, that for an average Australian household is about 10 tonnes or so a year. Now, apart from that, there will then be the flow-on effects because of all the energy that is used to make their appliances and, you know, produce and transport their food and all those things. And so what the government's saying is that overall, I I think uh, the average Australian household will pay about 0.7% of their living cost extra to pay the carbon price. But that's where, as you said earlier, the government's going to offset that, in fact, in many cases, more than offset that with the, cha- with the, the um, rebates on tax and, and other such things. 
Alan, thank you so much for your time and for explaining that to us. That was Professor Alan Pierce from RMIT University. He's also the creator of the Carbon Tax Calculator. And we do want to know your thoughts. SMS us on 0427JOY949. Do you think a carbon tax is necessary? We'll find out what you think next. That was Annie with Animal, and uh, that was also before that Professor Alan Piers from RMIT and the creator of the Carbon Tax Calculator, which is now on our Facebook page. So come and like us and you can have a look at it. Um, I'll also put on the Facebook page the um, cleanenergyfuture.gov.au thing, which is the um, estimate how much you're going to get back from the government in your rebate. And then you can figure out, you know, is it worth it or is it not worth it? Let us know what you think. SMS on 0427JOY949 or email on air at joy.org.au. And on that note, we have had a couple of SMSs in. So Jenny from South Yarra says, great analysis on this important issue. Jenny, I'm glad it made sense to you. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, had a, we had a text message in uh, or a, a text message in with the Clean Energy Future link. So thanks very much for that. Um, and something about the Carbon Cop stupid slogan by Abbott is simplistic populism for simpletons. Wow, there you go. That was harsh. Don't hold back. Harsh. Oh, yeah. Alex says, thanks for that. I was wondering about uh, that $70 billion figure. So misleading. If it stays in our economy, there's no loss. That's so true. I think that was a really great point that he made, wasn't it? Because people just didn't really get where that money's going. It's staying here. It's staying here. You know, it's coming back to us and it's going to working, sounds like, it's going to working on projects and things that will reduce our carbon output and create a sustainable, better sustainable future for Australia. Um, One last text message. We all need to work towards a better and sustainable future. Yes, exactly. The policy is not perfect, but we need to act now. Absolutely. Really loving the feedback there, guys, on 0427JOY949. We do love it when you get feedback. And that point about the $70 billion, really very poignant. I think as a first step, there's a saying, can eat an elephant one bite at a time. And it's that thing, you know, we've got to take make the first step which will i think it's something like five percent sort of reduction within five years and then you make the second step and in terms of long-term view and some longevity of this country and the world and you know for future generations that is a great thing and can i just make a really important point about when i did the australian greenhouse calculator today i've realized that i need to go on a diet <laughs> because my carbon emissions for use of the refrigerator were much higher than the average australian Household and as well as a green household. So really, yeah. Why is that? Is that because you open and close the well, fridge that's what, way um, too many times? Professor, the professor was saying. I'm, I'm thinking. So, yep. What sort of fridge do you have? Just a regular I know. stock standard fridge. Completely irrelevant question. I didn't think I opened important. it that much. Absolutely. Now, we love your thoughts. 0427JOY949. Of course, Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash The Roundup on Joy 94.9. Have to say, guys, that was a very big intellectual conversation that we just had. And coming up in gossip time, Ginger Spice. She's back. Your voice, your radio station. Joy 94.9. 
This is the Roundup on Joy 94.9. Keep those thoughts coming in. You can let us know by SMSing us on 0427 Joy 949. That is 0427 956 949. Thank you, Anthony. And we are in a radio studio, obviously, so you don't get to see the magic of what happens before us. Jenny from South Yarra has asked why there was giggling in the background. And I have to tell you, it's because my friend Ali, she was having a headset fall off while she was trying to talk, which in Radio Land means that you can't hear what you're saying, which is not not a very good thing at all. Hopefully, it won't happen in this segment. It's gossip time on the roundup. Celebs are bad. They'll be found out. Anastasia and the crew will tell you what they did do. Madonna's bad. Britney's sad. Lady Gaga's wearing a bag. It's gossip time. Gotta go. Gotta get on. Gossip time with the show. Gossip time. Michael, I do love that you dance to your own rap every single week. Without fail. This is indeed gossip time. And watch out, Jack Vigton, Vigden, child stardom can damage your life. That's the warning former teen star Nikki Webster has issued to 14-year-old Australia's Got Talent singing sensation. The 24-year-old who shot to fame at 13 after starring in the Sydney Olympics opening ceremony urged Vigden to move overseas to avoid the tall poppy syndrome. He says, She says, hopefully he can learn from what I went through because I guess I was one of the first in Australia to go through it. Well, other than Kylie Minogue that is, she says. Yeah. I so. love I love Nikki Webster and I I have met Nikki many a time. Um some will say that we are acquaintances. Um name dropping. Yeah, that's a big shame. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't be sharing that one, but hey. God, Kylie Minogue and Nikki Webster. It's like ballpark. Well, you, well, Nikki now runs a dance studio. Dance with Nikki. <laughs> Yes. That's what it's called. Is that really she what says. It's called? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, anyway, nice. so look, if you if you don't know who Jack Vigden is, have a listen to this. Wow. That was pretty amazing for a 14-year-old boy. I don't really think he has too much to worry about. No, I don't uh, think so. And and Webster has hoped that the country would keep supporting Vigden after the series ends tomorrow. So there you go. Hey, listen, Harry Potter, moving on. Oh, we love Harry Potter, don't we? We love Harry Potter so much. Every week, Harry Potter. You know what? Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 has hit the $1 billion mark worldwide. By last Thursday, the movie had grossed $296 million domestically and $630 million overseas. Uh, with the weekend's box office numbers, the movie crossed the magical billion-dollar mark, making it only the ninth movie in history to do so. Did you just click like a gay man? Yeah, you did. You're you rubbing off on me. She's excited. <laughs> the only movie to go past $2 billion was Avatar. But I reckon um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows can probably make it number two to do that. There you go. There you go. That's, you love Harry Potter. I do love Harry Potter, and that is my statement for this segment. Click, click, click. Okay, so Adam Lambert has revealed you know Adam Lambert. He was the. Love Adam Lambert. He's an Aussie guy. He's, no, he's a, not. He's, oh, wasn't he? <laughs> he's an American. Oh, he's American, but he's out proud. He doesn't know Adam Lambert. Loud. I do know him because we play him all the time on Joy, and I love his songs. Do you know Adam Anyhow, Lambert? Because I do. Um. <laughs> no, unlike you, I've not met him. <laughs> 
Anyway, he's revealed his new single about acceptance um, at a a music festival in Canada. So it's not been it's not been anywhere, and it's a a song about um, gay marriage and acceptance and all of that. So it's a it's called Outlaws of Love, and it's a ballad for the gays. You should have seen the interpretive dance going on in here. Talk about the magic of radio. Yeah, that was lovely. Moving on. Another gay anthem. Another gay anthem. I think that will be big. It's really beautiful. And the theme behind it, you know, that whole, that Lady Gaga's tapped into it before in the past. Outlaws of Love. Just so topical as well and political. Beautiful, beautiful. They say we'll rot in hell, but I don't think we will. Days everywhere will be playing that at their marriage ceremony. They will indeed. Moving on to another wedding-related story. Queen Elizabeth II's first granddaughter... Okay, if you've got the gist of that, her name's Zara Phillips. She tied the knot with rugby player Mike Tyndall in Edinburgh on Saturday. Apparently the bride looked absolutely beautiful wearing a Stuart Parvin gown. And the event was a royal star-studded affair as Queen Lizzie II, their kids and grandkids were all in attendance. Even Princess Beatrice was there and she was wearing a new hat. Oh, Uh, a new hat? She was. What was she wearing now? Well... It didn't look like well, Rangy actually, ears. it just sort of looks. It just sort of looks like a little blue UFO on the side of her head. Can I ask you why yeah. are we talking about hats and gossip? It's gossip. <laughs> Princess Beatrice is known for her weird hats. Okay, is she has she always been known for her weird? She's hats? always so it wasn't been just based known on for that her... one. No, she's always been known hat. for her just like kind of slightly odd fashion style. She had um, a hat that was just like a bunch of butterflies stuck together and she had that weird one from the last big wedding. And this one's a lot more subdued, but it does it does indeed look like kind of a blue UFO. Yeah, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about Beatrice's hats on the Roundup. We are. Yes, we're moving on from that. Are you delusional? Do you need a quick buck? Well, are you cashing in on 90s nostalgia? Whatever the reason, former Spice Girl Jerry Halliwell... <laughs> has announced that she's finished recording a, get this, comeback album. At the moment, it's got no title and no release date or any singles. Or record company. Or record company. (laughs) It sounds great. Yeah. So there you go. We we'll, do, um, we don't do. hold your breath for that one. I you love guys. Ginger Spice. We Her do. Second album with that song about men raining. It was great. It was oh, great. it was lovely, wasn't it? Don't you wish some men would rain down? And it was called Scream if you want to go faster, mm-hmm. which that just has so many levels. Yeah. Here's a man who, well, he didn't rain down, he fell down. Meatloaf collapsed halfway through a rendition <laughs> of his song, I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That, at a concert in Pittsburgh what in the that? US on the weekend. Was that like stand up throughout the whole song? What? Is that what he would do? Anything for love but not stand up? No, the there were song. three things he would do, but the third one he wouldn't do. Oh. He's 63. He fell on, unconscious on stage at the Tribe Total Media Amphitheatre and was treated by paramedics and doctors. Um, he's, he, he's, um, he's supposed to perform at the AFL Grand Final October 1st as part of his Australian tour, oh, but really? he refused to leave the stage and after 10 minutes of treatment got back up and continued his show. Oh, he's a trooper. What he an a trooper. absolute trooper. Yep, he said he's got asthma and he couldn't breathe and then he forgot 
and then, well, you know, he what got treated, and then he—I know—if you so want any evidence amazing. of what a hard worker meatloaf is, watch the Celebrity Apprentice in yep. the last season. Yep, One Tree Hill. Chad Michael Murray has revealed that he's definitely open to returning to his role on One Tree Hill. Uh, he left after the sixth season. Rumors were swirling that he was set to make a return along with his co-star. He's saying he's going to. Uh, no word from producers if that's the case or not. Uh, are we out of time? Oh, I'm <laughs> are you out of gossip? <laughs> That was gossip time on the roundup. Of course, let us know your thoughts. 0427 Joy 949. We've had a quick one in from Mysterious. Please tell us your names when you SMS us. This one was in relation to Nikki Webster saying sour grapes. Nikki says that Tina Arena is another child star and look what a loser she has been. That's not very oh, nice. That's not very nice at all. We love Tina Arena. Everybody on Joy be nice, please. Don't pick on Tina Arena. <laughs> let us know your thoughts, though, if you disagree with that. 0427 Joy 949. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tina Arena and you're listening to Joy 94.9. Yes, Jenny, we love Tina Arena too. We do indeed. We do, we do very much. You can let us know what you think on SMS 0427 Joy 949 or email on air at joy.org.au. You are with the Roundup on Australia's only lesbian and gay radio station, Joy 94.9. Now, last time we spoke about it, you told us you didn't care too much for child beauty pageants. But if the front page of the Sunday Age is anything to go by, it looks like you've done an about face and changed your mind. As a result, we here on the Roundup want to know, do you think the average Aussie cares about beauty pageants? or is it all just a lot of media hype? Well, that's an excellent question, Michael. And when you say hype, you're right. It's been absolute chaos for the last four or five days. It's been in all the papers. There's been a bidding war between Channel 9 and Channel 7 between their two current affairs programs. Channel Channel 9, I believe, paid, I think, $30,000 to have exclusive access to the pageant, only wow. to be trumped by Channel 7, who then paid seventy grand for exclusive access to the... Uh, the, the star of the show, six-year-old Eden Wood. And as a result, she never turned up because they caused such a, such a fuss. Such a huge stir. So, so do people care or is it just a big media beat-up? Look, I don't know, but on that Channel 7, Channel 9 thing, because she didn't turn up to the pageant, Channel 9 got no footage of her. So apparently one of the Channel 9 producers sent his wife and kids down to the meet and greet that Eden ended up doing in with the Channel 7 studios and got her to like get her kids to meet her and film it on the iPhone and what have you. And then Channel 7 said they knew who she was and who she was and they've got some footage on one of their show websites using words like disgusting, grubby and that they were appalled. You know, it's this massive thing that the stations are just beating it up between themselves. Well, well, that's right. And, um, you know, it begs the question – would would we care if they hadn't turned it into this massive issue? But, I mean, I guess the papers have picked up on it too. So, they're really into it. So, I think there is definitely something there. And the fact that we're talking about it again, we are. having done it before, proves that there is some substance to the story. There so- is, and there were protesters all over. Weren't there protesters in Edinburgh Gardens? There were protesters in front of the town hall. Like, you know, there were protesters everywhere with banners saying they didn't agree with it. But I'm wondering, you know... Why do we care so much? Why do we care? Because it's the objectification 
Do you like that word? Oh, it's a good one, The Mike. objectification of children, I guess, is why we care, and that is, you know, spurred on by the media. And we do want to know, do you care? Do you think it's wrong? 0427-JOY-949. We would love to hear what you think on this. Childhood beauty pageants, are they good, bad or ugly? I don't think we care that much, though. This is this is the thing that gets me. Um, you've got, you know, this doled up little plastic looking girl who's got so much makeup on for a six-year-old it's it's ridiculous to start with and you've got the media beating it up you've got protesters rah 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 but then you see the parents that are bringing their kids along I, I did watch a bit of the coverage over the weekend and you know what they seem pretty normal they were pretty down to earth they, they were just saying you know it's a bonding exercise I like to take my child along they like to get up and sing and dance the kids weren't doled up I mean mind you I wasn't inside the the pageant I didn't see that side of it but they seemed okay. Can I just say that those kids do not look like that in real life. They are, you know, photoshopped to the max and you can pay now to have your family's photos photoshopped to look the same. There's a lot of money in this industry and there is a lot of money changing hands over the beauty pageant thing. As you said, $70,000 from Channel 7 sort of thing. Does back to question, should we be regulating this so that, you know, there isn't so much money exchanging hands and, you know, by a result of that, perhaps some sort of, you know, exploitation. So you're talking about regulating regulation of the media or regulation of the pageants so that they can't they can't get sponsorship because I, I you can't regulate the media and what they pay for different stories and different exclusive rights to things. And so that them getting exclusive rights to this young six-year-old has probably got nothing to do with the pageant. And that six-year that girl, um, what was her name? Edenwood. Edenwood has come out from the States because, well, her mother says, you know, to meet our Aussie fans, and but actually it's because somebody paid her a truckload of money. Um, and Christopher wonders, Christopher's messaged in, and he wonders how much the parents were paid by Channel 7 to bring her out here. Or was it only Channel 7? Would have been a mint. And that's what I'm getting at, Ken. Mm. Should you be paying, should be paying parents to let their children come and do what is essentially work, exorbitant sums of money. I just think there should be a limit upon how much money you can make off your child before it's wrong. Well, the the director of Pageants Australia, Carmen Powell, was very upset when she spoke to the media today. Basically, her vitriol was directed at Eden Wood's mother, saying you did not make the, and I quote, the mummy decision, you made a money decision by basically accepting that 70 grand from Channel 7 to have exclusive rights, and therefore she didn't get to the pageant, which was the point of her coming in the first place. So, yeah, and look, she said that she wouldn't turn up if child protection or the police were involved, So, and Kevin wonders, what does that tell you? Do you know what? That's really interesting because for a lot of parents, as we were saying, the beauty pageant circuit would be something that's fun. It wouldn't be this level of, you know, complete sort of absorption by it. And yet it's like one bag egg ruining the lot sort of thing, you know, that one case of extremism ruining it for everyone. Mm. Maybe it's not. I think maybe, look, there's room for some regulation, maybe around age limits and, and that sort of stuff. Because the interesting thing that no one sort of has noticed is, is this was a pageant for people aged from two up until... 50, 60, you know, there were people of all ages, but it was all focused on six-year-olds dressed like drag and queens. Children. Yeah. And we've just got an SMS in, an email in rather, from Alex. Thank you for emailing it on air at joy.org.au. Alex says that they care. They went to the rally in Edinburgh Gardens and it's really bad for the self-esteem 
um, if beauty is all that matters and they're getting waxed, et cetera, et cetera, at such a young age, it's all bad, bad, bad. Yeah, yeah. And um, we, we've also had a, a message from Scott who says, I'd love to know uh, what's happening for that little girl in the midst of all of this drama. You know, the mother says that she's, you know, if you look at any of the footage of the mum, she says she's making mummy decisions. But yeah, actually, what's going on for this little girl in the midst of all of that? And Jen says, what about Shirley Temple? She was a child star. And what about Drew Barrymore, child star, asked to do adult things? And look how messed up. Yeah, she she went off the rails for a while. That's not the best example. She did, indeed. Of course, let us know your thoughts, 0427JOY949. And don't forget, if you're SMSing in, you need to add us to Facebook, if only so that Ali can stalk you in between songs. Facebook is (laughs) facebook.com forward slash the roundup on Joy 94.9. Hey, this is Ruby Rose, and you're listening to The Roundup on Joy 94.9. Hush now, baby, don't you stress. I'm going to fill your mommy complex. Hush now, baby, don't you stress. I'm going to fill your mommy complex. Welcome back to the Roundup on Joy 94.9. We've had a huge show today. I have to say a big thank you to everybody that's SMSed in. And if you have SMSed in, you need to get onto the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Roundup on Joy 94.9. Indeed, we've had um, some last little bits of feedback. David says, yes, uh, such a media beat up. That's about the um, toddlers and tiaras. Channel 7 is calling it a media storm only in their own minds. Exclamation mark. Exclamation. Yes. Um, And Josh says, I wish we could um, just take the blame on the US, but the demand is out there in other countries for this type of exploitation to go on. I trust that there are Aussie parents who are keen to learn how it's done from Eden and her mum. Very, very sad. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Anthony. Third time on the Roundup. Pleasure to be here. Welcome me back again one day, please. Love to have you back, Anthony. <laughs> well, yep, that was the roundup for another week. We have to make way for the Spirit Lounge now. You can always visit us on Facebook during the week for more opinionated current affairs. Go to facebook.com forward slash the roundup on Joy 94.9. We shall see you next Monday at 8 p.m. on Joy 94.9. Bye. Bye bye. Hi, this is Katie Underwood, and I tune into Joy 94.9 because I think it's. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah It's so beautiful, beautiful Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9 To find out more about Joy 94.9 Check out joy.org.au Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast Brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation Joy Help us keep Joy on air Head to joy.org.au Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.